Cajun. Raging review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand and let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm! Alarm! Ready! Who's that team ready? Who's that team ready? That's I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Ragin' Review Podcast. Nick, Jerry, and Josh in your ear. And on your screen, here to talk some baseball. Track the pack continues. Softball is wrapping up after a very impressive weekend. We'll get to some track and field. And a pretty interesting announcement that we're going to make here uh, at some point during the show. Gentlemen. Didn't get to see Jerry very, very much this weekend, which is unusual. We did hang out for a little while Friday, but uh, other than that, it's kind of been sparse. We hadn't been hanging out too much. What's up, boys? I miss y'all. It's been a while. Good to see you again. Long week off. Good to be back in the grind. Yeah, and I'll be back in the uh, the flats next week for Easter. So excited to to uh, get the chance to go out. I wish there was a, a baseball series this weekend, but there's not. So excited to be able to go out to the spring game Thursday night and see what's going on there. On the road to Marshall for the very first time. Is that correct? That is correct. And I don't think we're playing at their home stadium, are we? Are we playing like a minor league park because they don't have lights? Because, I think you that's know. correct. And they're doing mm-hmm. some renovation to their stadium also. Yeah. So from what I see, uh, the renderings look really cool. So they're going to have a, a top flight Sunbelt park soon. But yeah, I think you're right. We're going to be at a uh, third party location, which should be interesting. I'm just, I'm stoked to have them in the league and, if they're going to put investment and time into baseball, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do because Marshall fans, when they get latch onto something, they're into it. Look I was at what about they to did say, with basketball. Somebody had a, a a Twitter poll or something like which fans of the Sun, which new teams from the Sun Belt, which fans are the ones who you know beat their chest for for no reason. Marshall was like number one, <laughs> and not to say that they don't have a great history of being really good at football, but uh, they seem to be one of those teams that just come in, you know, chest thumping and, and kudos to them. They have a very loyal, loud fan base. We need more of those in the Sun Belt. Yeah. I got to tell you though, the app state fan base for baseball, all of a sudden out the woodworks, get, we were getting trash talked on, <laughs> on the account. I was like, it's like, uh, did you know these buddy? guys played baseball and all uh, of a sudden they're, they're the biggest trash talkers in the league. Are you kidding me? You've been irrelevant for your entire existence in baseball. Don't, don't, don't come over here and start. I just now, look, man, we I, have a I, lot of, we have a lot of respect for the program as a whole football, especially their baseball program is on the rise. We've said the last three years, they've made major improvements and we'll talk about it more when we get into the games, but I thought their roster was impressive. I mean, they had a lot of guys that can throw the baseball upper nine or uh, mid nineties. Uh, a lot of guys with junk. I mean, they had some hitters. I thought they were their uh, backstop was very impressive all weekend, but let's pump the brakes on the trash talk until we start making some noise overall in the conference. Look, all, with all due respect, I love, I love our app state brethren. Their fan base is passionate there. You know, we we've created a lot of friendships and relationships with them, but uh, the baseball trash talk, it's like, come on, man. Uh, look, I, I, I understand you got a series win against us. Congratulations. You know, your team's getting better, but like you said, let's pump the brakes there a little bit. I mean, come on now. <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> it's a step in the right direction. There's no yeah. question about it. They were impressive this weekend, yeah. and they came in and beat our butts for two games. But They did. They did. But, I mean, look, man, they, they got a lot of catching up to do if they want the success we have in baseball as far as the history goes. And, and look, I, I'll say the same thing about us in football. I mean, we told them, you know, we when we started winning consistently, we wanted to mimic what they did, but we really weren't trash-talking as much. You know, we kind of had that level of respect, whereas baseball, they take the series, and all of a sudden, oh, add that extra L. It's like, look, man, we still lead the series. You still yet to host a regional. You still yet to go to Omaha. Come on now. <laughs> like, Appalachian is not one a weekend, state, man. so shut the hell up. One weekend, on. bro. Come on take, now. Take come your on wins now. and go home. Hey, congratulations on your weekend. You, you know, you got the best of us, but come on now. Yeah, you can't take anything away from the performance. It yeah. was big boy stuff on the road at Louisiana, one of the biggest venues uh, and, and hardest venues to play in in the conference, and it's an impressive feat. Don't get me wrong. Totally impressed with the performance. But be humble. I mean, come on. You know, anyway. We're going to get to sponsors in just a minute, but before we do that, while we're on the topic, just curious, did you guys feel the same way about that roster turnover? They've got some guys that we remembered, like Drumheller, St. Laurent. Uh, there were a few other guys that, that I recognized. Did you guys feel the same as far as App State taking a big step forward with regard to talent on the roster? And they have steadily improved their positioning and their roster. I'm just curious what you guys thought about the roster. Yeah, yeah. Kermit Smith is a good coach, and he's actually been there for seven years. So um, he's oh, been, been there. That long. Yeah, okay. he's been there. I mean, COVID makes everything weird, so it's hard to to keep everything in perspective when you have that year in there. But um, look, he's got a a winning record as a head coach. Um, has not had that success at App, but it takes a few years. I mean, we've seen it. And and look, credit to him. He's got some some guys on the roster that uh, have bought into the system and have had a good foundation for him. And I think he's got it a couple, like we do, we get a couple of Juco players or guys to transfer and it really makes a difference. So um, the league as a whole is getting better. And, and that's what I was going to talk about. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but when the league starts getting better, you're going to start dropping games to teams like app state. And, and I know it's not ideal. Like I still think we should have beat them two out of three, but the reality is our league is getting better. And what we did last year or the year before ain't going to cut it going forward. So we've got to step up our game because other teams are stepping up their game. It's healthy for the league as a whole, but we're going to, unfortunately, if we don't step it up, start losing to some teams that we historically have just owned. Agree 100%. And we've talked about here on here a million times when we raise the floor of the conference, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, softball, it just, I mean, we're again, we're a top five RPI uh, conference in America, you know, and that that's a big deal. Baseball has always been pretty strong in the Sun Belt, top five RPI. Uh, that should be the goal. So I'm glad that we're there. You can tell, obviously, the App States, the ULMs, they're playing better baseball. I, I think it's great for the conference. Let's get into to sponsors real quick and then we'll move along. Huge thank you to Lafayette Roofing and General Contractors, licensed and insured, locally owned and family operated. Darren Domingue, uh, alumni and RCAF supporter. Lafayette Roofing is certified with the Better Business Bureau, where Mr. Domingue serves as a board director. Um, you want to get your roof inspected periodically, a couple times a year. Sagging, signs of water damage, dark spots, holes, cracked or torn shingles, large amounts of granulars in your gutters, presence of rot, mold, or moisture. You got to get that taken care of as soon as possible. They have three different options for financing for you. They'll get your job done. They'll do it hassle-free. Uh, also, they offer exceptional interior and exterior painting and sheetrock services. Over 10,000 satisfied customers cannot be wrong. Give Darren and the crew a call today. 337-237-ROOF. 337-237-7673. 
6-3 or visit them on the World Wide Web, lafayette-roofing.com, lafayette-roofing.com. Also, huge thank you to Patriot Steel Group. Guys over at Patriot Steel Group would like to thank all RCAF donors and encourage anybody who can to consider giving any amount to support our student athletes and their mission to promote our great university. Chris Russo has been a friend of the pod from the very beginning, one of our very first sponsors. The founders of Patriot Steel Group have over 100 years of experience collectively in the oil and gas industry. They will service you with whatever need you may have with regard to, to uh, tubulars. Contact Brandon Gollett or Reed Barbier at 337-443-9296 or visit the Patriot Steel Group LinkedIn page for more information. Gordon McKernan Injury Attorneys. Our official injury attorney sponsor for Rage and Review, offices in Lafayette, Alexandria, Lake Charles, Monroe, Shreveport, Zachary, Denham Springs, Gonzalez, Hammond, and of course their home headquarters in Baton Rouge. Remember, when you hire G, you get the G guarantee. If they cannot win your case, you owe them zero dollars, zero fees, nothing at all. Thousands in NIL deals assisting our student athletes with everything from promoting their personal brands to networking within the business world. They've done a ton for Raging Cajun athletes. Please give them a call if you need 888-532-1573 or you can get them on the internet at getgordon.com. Getgordon.com. Get Gordon and get it done. There's something else that we wanted to talk to everybody about and uh, I'm going to turn it over to Nick because he has the goods on on the tease. So Nick, take it away and let the folks know about a pretty cool uh, situation that we're going to announce and some cool stuff going forward for Raging Review. Yeah, really excited to announce we've entered into a media partnership with The Planet. You guys might remember back in the day, Planet Radio 96.5. Well, it's back and it's streaming at listentotheplanet.com. You can also download that app on your iPhone or Android. Uh, it's called Listen to the Planet. And um, we took it streaming um, a few years ago. Chris Logan, who's a former DJ, as was I, uh, Chris Logan took it streaming a couple of years ago and has gotten an amazing reception. And it's it's been a, a great success. And they've got some really cool things happening. In fact, I suggest you download the app today and listen tomorrow because something really exciting is happening. And we're going to be a part of that. We're going to help provide exclusive Rage and Cajun coverage uh, on the planet, which is something that is severe. We're not going to talk about other schools or other programs or major leagues or anything. We're going to bring some coverage specifically and exclusively about Raging Cajun Sports to the planet. So, again, highly recommend you download the Listen to the Planet app today because tomorrow morning Chris is going to announce something really special for the station. And uh, it's going to be, I think, a great media partnership for us, something we've never done before and something I think we, uh, we're we really excited about and great things will come of it. So um, more to come next week, but happy to announce that today. Really cool. And I believe that this is the first ever Raging Cajun only sports partnership. Uh, I've, everything has always been about maybe the Saints, maybe the school across the base and things like that. Uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first of its kind, right, Nick? I mean, that I know of. I don't know that we've ever had an exclusive Raging Cajun partnership with anyone. So, Can you repeat the app? It's Listen to the Planet. Is it available now? Yes, it's Listen to the Planet on the Apple App Store and then Google Play for Android as well. You can download them on either one or listen to theplanet.com. Okay, good deal. Just wanted to make sure everybody's tuned in to make sure they, they hear the cool announcements. Uh, before we go any further, we have got to give track and field some more shine. I want to say, let's see, nine school records 
were written this past week in track and field alone. And I, I, I think that they don't get a lot of coverage. I know track and field is what it is. The Olympic sports, they don't get the, the advertisement and the, the media coverage and all this stuff. But I think it's worth saying because these guys are having a, a historic early season to track and field. So I just want to say some names out there so you guys can be looking out for them and they deserve it. Tyler Spates. Tied for third in program history in the women's 400 hurdles over at the Bobcat Relay in day one. Jamad Booth, sixth in program history in the men's 100. Hallie Salisbury, second in program history in the women's 1500. Nathan Ferguson, seventh in program history in the men's 400 hurdles. Levad Jones, fourth in, in program history in the men's 400 hurdles. Now, some of these names are very difficult for me to say, so I apologize in advance if I absolutely blow them. I apologize. I'm doing my best doing it on the fly. Joseph Patterson, fourth in program history in the men's 800. Mosisha Brigden, second in program history in the women's 400 hurdles. Jordan Brown, not that Jordan Brown. This is a Jordan Brown in track and field. She, she is a young lady. I think she's a junior on the track and field team. Jordan Brown, third in program history in the women's pole vault. And Kennedy London, fourth in program history in the women's 100 hurdles. So, shout out to track and field. Awesome accomplishment. They've had one heck of a week, one heck of a weekend. And I think it's time that we pay a little bit more attention to them. I know that, you know, you're not going to see that in a lot of local news or what have you. There are certain things that we got we to gotta shout out. We got to understand and know and 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 let everybody else know about the successes in all the sports that we have. So when everybody's succeeding at a high level, we got to say something, Jerry. Of course. I mean, uh, they're, they're student athletes that represent the university well. So uh, congratulations to all those competitors and uh, job well done. Softball went to Harrisonburg and played JMU, who was, when they were added to the league, we all were pretty excited because they were a couple years removed from going to the Women's College World Series and lighten it up you know they had that uh very high profile pitcher that took him in they did a ton of damage in the world the college world series women's college world series in oklahoma city and that was one of like the great stories of the athletic year when that happened so when they were added to the league we knew it was good they were going to bring immediate quality to the, the competition we knew that they were going to bring immediate uh interest from other conference mates and it was going to be another one of those great programs that ul would be able to play every year and get that rpi up and it was just going to be something that we all look forward to in softball. I think that that has delivered so far with the way that they performed. Uh, this past weekend, the Cajuns made that first road trip. Friday, nip and tuck game, pulled it out. Yesterday, uh, thanks to Lauren Allred and Sophie Piscus, absolutely dominated. And then today, they're in a, a, a tight one. I think it was 3-2 to two in the sixth the last time we checked. Anybody have an update on that? They swept. They won. So ball game for, for first softball. Time, I think it was the first time in 15 years JMU's been swept at home. That is unbelievable, and that's 76 consecutive Sunbelt Conference Series wins for Raging Cajun softball. I don't think that that's – you can't really put into words what that means. I mean, that's impossible. Imagine that. And we've had some decent programs. I know the Sunbelt is not exactly the SEC in softball, but look at what Texas State's been able to do the last couple of years. Look at – South Alabama's been a, a very good opponent for, for years, you know, and they've been a, a sustainable uh, – they've had sustained success throughout the course of a decade. Uh, uh, Troy had a couple of good years recently. You stick JMU in here, and that's kind of like the marquee matchup in the Sun Belt, I think, right now, and they go in there and, and sweep them in Virginia. That's uh, – thoughts on that. That's pretty impressive. Well, I think what makes it even more impressive is, like you said, it's in Virginia – and they had us circled on that calendar since they announced they were coming to the Sun Belt. 
So they, we had a target on our back, and they expected to get at least two out of three against us. And for us to go out there and sweep, That I think that's, one, a little reality check for them, but two, really showing how that early season really, really tough schedule is paying off and it's paying dividends in midseason and in conference play. I think it adds on or compounds on the fact that you go to a place like JMU, like I said, they haven't been swept in 15 years at home, but also it compounds on the success because you know JMU is going to win some more. You know after this weekend they're going to bounce back and they're they're going to still be very competitive in this conference. Uh, that doesn't mean you know we we let go of the of the gas pedal by any stretch. Uh, at the same time, I think if you look at the win this weekend to be able to go there in an unfamiliar place. I mean, this I want to say this was the first matchup ever against them, uh, a team that was two years removed from uh, the College World Series. You went over there and you dominated, and so to us, I mean. If you want to talk about hosting a regional, especially, you know, weathering the storm those first few weeks with that that rough non-conference schedule we had, this is how you do it. This is exactly how you you find a way to boost your RPI and 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 get into get in get into the mix of of being able to bring a regional to Lamson Park for the first time in a little bit. So um I you I was looking forward to actually just taking the series. I actually thought that the streak was in question, and uh, the girls shut me up pretty quickly because to go over there and get a sweep, I mean, you couldn't ask for much more than that. I mean, that's as good as it gets. Certainly didn't expect a sweep. I thought that we had a good chance to win the series, but what's impressive to me is that Friday or game one, you 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 Cajuns get off to a great start. Bottom of the inning, Shiflet leads off with a homer, and then they followed with another homer. So they tied it back up, and it looked like, okay, they showed up to play. This is going to be one of those those games that are going to – and obviously, they look like a very good Sunbelt Conference team. Now, I don't know what they played early in the season. I don't know what their, their uh, out-of-conference schedule looked like, but I'm assuming because of the name, they can schedule some pretty decent programs. Um, however, they look the part, and Shiflet's really, really good, by the way. You go into Saturday, so JMU loses Friday, a close one. You go into Saturday, and JMU's got to muster something. They want to stay in the series. Obviously, you know, you don't want to lose a series at home. And they just get blown off the map. And it was early. I don't know how deep their pitching is. I don't really know a whole whole bunch about the team. But to me, that was a very impressive performance from the Cajuns after, you know, you had some tough at-bats in that Friday game. Their their pitcher really put you on your heels for a, a large majority of the game. I just thought it was really something about this team to go into, like Jerry said, unfamiliar territory, have one of those type of nip and tuck games on Friday and come in on Saturday and blow them away. I thought that was really impressive from the team. I agree. I mean, and it felt like uh, a regional atmosphere. It felt like it was, you know, it felt like every pitch mattered, especially in that first game, every pitch, every, every uh, base runner, every, everything meant something. And so, uh, no, it, it's just, it's it's great to see great programs being added and an upgrade to the conference. And and look, this is what we expected. This is what we expected all along. This is what we wanted to see. Now, again, I don't think any of us picked us to go out there and sweep them this year, but uh, that's a sign of great things to come is, is adding these great programs to our league. So, yeah, so I think I think this was just great. Absolutely agree. It was it was weird. Like when we talked to Sam and she talked about playing in empty stadiums around the belt, I, I, it's true. You don't realize the broadcast. You, you don't watch a ton of softball on, on uh, TV until the last couple of years. And then now you're paying attention to how, I mean, at least I am after that interview, I'm looking at how many people show up and it was full. 
there was lots of people there, and that was different to watch us play on the road with a lot of people there in conference. That was a little bit different. So shout out to the girls for a great sweep. Uh, they are 26 and 10 now on the season. Again, played a brutal non-conference, you know, took their lumps, really starting to come together. You know, I, I, I got high hopes for this team and they play well at Lampson. So we've, we've been on the road a lot. I think that this team finishes strong and we're still very much in the conversation to have a regional uh, in Lafayette. So great for them. Let's talk about the, summer, the boys of summer. Give some overview thoughts before we get into the nitty gritty. Jerry, just overall thoughts. We don't have to get into too many uh, specific examples just yet, but App State, we already kind of talked about how their roster looks a whole lot better, and they've definitely got talent. But performance on the field this weekend from what you're able to see, uh, give me some highlights and some lowlights, maybe some players that impressed uh, from App State, maybe from the Cajuns, maybe somebody you need to see something more from, just in general thoughts. Um, To be honest with you, I thought JT or John Taylor stepped into the role of shortstop perfectly. I mean, that was kind of the highlight of the weekend. Um, anytime you have to step in the shoes of Kyle DeBarge, or as we call him, Debo, uh, with the expectation he has and, and the hype that he has, it's it's some big shoes to fill. And I thought JT did a really good job doing that. I thought he did a really good job um, you know, at the plate, especially yesterday. That three-run bomb he hit in the eighth inning kind of woke up the bats a little bit. Um, Fielding-wise, I thought we did okay. Uh, unfortunately, it was uh, kind of too little too late for the bats. Uh, yesterday, we had two hits up until the eighth inning. Um, today, I thought we hit the ball fairly well. Uh, we had nine hits to their six. But Friday night, we struck out 18 times. And that is uh, that is very unusual for, for our, a Degg's hitting ball club. And that was kind of what we uh, – we would talk about those horror stories about four or five years ago when we had another guy standing at third base. I mean, that was kind of a, a norm where we strike out anywhere between 15 to 20 times. And so that wasn't, that was very unusual for us to see. Uh, but I like how the guys responded today. Um, you know, they came out today, they avoided the sweep. I thought Cooper Rawls did a great job on the mound as a starter. Uh, I, I'm sure his mom was probably you know, walking up and down the concourse, nervous as can be, but she can, oh, I, I, it's, it's safe to say she can be proud of her, of her, of her son for the way he pitched today. He did a fantastic job. Um, some of the lowlights, uh, pitching, the inconsistency of pitching. We walked to, uh, walked two guys home on Friday night, which was pretty much the turning point, And we couldn't find a way to respond with the bats. Uh, we left a few guys on base again, struck out looking too many times swung the bat at too many breaking balls we got to stop chasing breaking balls we got to be patient at the plate i understand we're aggressive but you got to quit chasing breaking balls i mean we were swinging that stuff in the dirt and um that's you know disciplined teams don't do that and so i thought we were a lot more patient today which i liked and i'm glad we kind of redeemed ourselves there but uh yesterday again you waited till the eighth inning to show up and we've done that a few times this year where you know our bats are cold for a good six or seven innings and then it's too little too late in the eighth so um overall uh i you know it's not fun to lose a series at home especially to an app state team that i thought we were better than but i also give credit to app state especially their pitching their pitching i mean they pitched lights out both friday and saturday and, and they they had a really good scouting report against us. I thought the coaching staff did a really good job preparing them on the mound because it seemed like every weakness they could find in our batting, they, they exposed it. Um, but I think again, today, I think 
we needed this game today because now you have Tulane on Tuesday night. They're struggling. They're 8-20. and 20. They're coming in, but you can't lose that game. And then you have a short week on to Marshall against, once again, an unfamiliar team on the road uh, with a very unusual weekend because it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, that's why I think this game was important, not just because we were about to get swept, but because uh, we have a little bit of somewhat momentum going into Tuesday night. And look, here's the key about Tuesday night. We always talk about it 20 before 10. We're 19 and 9. So we can get to 20. We, our goal of 20 before 10 is still in front of us if we take care of business Tuesday night. So um, don't like to lose a series at the same time as all, all is, is, you know, all is lost. No, no. But we do need to improve pitching. I do think we need to be a little more disciplined at the plate and uh, uh, with our bats. And look, Debo's going to be out for a few weeks. We're going to have to adjust to that. You can definitely tell the energy wasn't there with Debo not being in the lineup Friday night. Well, guess what? We have to, we have to assimilate to that for the next uh, couple couple weeks. So, um, all in all, looking forward to Tuesday night. Let's brush like what we always say after a loss. Let's brush it off and move forward. And let's move forward to Tuesday night against Tulane. Get a win there and uh, get a good road trip to Marshall. Nick, before you go, am I the only one that thinks that twenty before ten this year? isn't the same as 20 before 10 in years past. And I'll say it like this. We've played 19 games at home this year, boys. We have played 19 games at the Teague. Now, I think we're 14 and 5 at the Teague, which is great. Our strength of schedule is above 100, well above 100 at this point. Is 20 before 10 created equally in 2023? I'm not going to say no. I just feel like we should already be there. Right, the formula, I'm not saying, the that's formula fair. is undefeated. Like I get it, the formula yeah, is undefeated, which is right. But just based on strength of schedule and the fact that we've played an inordinate amount of games at the Teague, twenty before ten this year feels like it should have been like twenty four before five. You know what no. I mean? <laughs> I get it. I get it. Now, now again, App State they they've got a higher RPI than we do right now. They're in the seventies. We're in the eighties. Right. So they're not a, a terrible baseball team. You can't look at them based on the the name on their chest. I know I say that a lot. Hey, to your point, they played Campbell just like we did. They did. They did. Now, their last game got canceled, but Monday and and Saturday, uh, sorry, Friday and Saturday, it was close games. Yeah, but you look at you, again, stats don't tell everything, but they're they're eighth in the conference in batting average, 121 in the NCAA. We're 68. Their fielding percentage is is near the bottom of the NCAA. We're we're in in the 60s. You look at the ERA, their ERA going into this weekend was eight. So you felt like you had every advantage going in, but for the second straight week, we couldn't get Jake out the third inning. And and that to me is the biggest concern that I have is that we have got, and I said it last week, especially when you're playing a doubleheader, Friday night is important, especially for this team that is streaky and hitting. You have got to get off to a good pitching performance on Friday night to give your chance of win, uh, to give yourself a little bit of leeway to loot, to drop a game, but still win the series. We had our backs against the wall Friday night. And, and then now we're, we're, you know, everything else. I think BB said it on the, on the, the, the stream broadcast. He said everything else for them is line up app state come in, came in hoping to win a game and they did on Friday. So now they're, they're loose and their pitcher credit to him. He had a great six innings. But he's he's you know celebrating on the mound like he just won the World Series and at the end of the game staring down our dugout and we had no fight until late in the second game. So I think to me that's the concern is that we got punked on Friday night and we took it and we didn't really fight back. 
we didn't get a good, off to a great start on pitching wise. Again, Jake's got to got to be better. He's got to he's got to step it up and and get us off to a better start on Friday night. But it was good to see us fight back late in the second game. And then again uh, today, I mean, like you said, Jerry, I don't know if today was a must win for season. Today was a must win. In my but view, for me, today was a must win. It, it was huge. You know, it was huge. We had we couldn't get swept by App State, no matter what the name across their chest is. You're at home. You got every statistical advantage against them. And you drop three. That's bad. So uh, we've, it, it, again, the conference is getting better. I get that. But this is the second week I felt like we underperformed against competition that we are better than. They have a couple of good guys. But again, they've got the eighth best hitting average, batting average in the conference. And their top three hitters just tore us up the first two games. We got to get better. We got to get better on the mound and our, 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 our batters have to be more patient at the plate. Again, it started to started to kind of turn around too little too late yesterday, as you said, Jerry, but we got to show more patience at the, at the plate. Teams are learning how to pitch against us. So we've got to make that adjustment. And I just don't feel like we have yet. Well, and we all know that Deggs is an aggressive coach and we're an aggressive hitting team. So we're always going to be susceptible to a good breaking ball. And the guy on Friday and the guy on Saturday had good breaking balls. And they, and they, for whatever reason, we could not find the changeup. Now the guy on Saturday had a funky delivery. His, he released the ball late and he had some good camouflage to the way that he would release the ball. So I'll give him credit for that. I give the guy on, on Friday credit. He got in trouble in the middle innings when we loaded the bases and he, he fought his way out. And I know a lot of people didn't like the fact that he was, flexing and eating steroids in the dugout and and having a rage like I get it but to Nick's point and I'm glad he said it felt like we got punked on Friday I mean I mean a good old-fashioned gritty team is going to look at a guy hollering and screaming on the mound and come back and fight and and we didn't I mean that's just the bottom line this is not a shot at the boys it just I I'll pose a question to y'all if you both can answer we underperformed but did we underestimate do we get comfortable when we think we have an advantage on a team this is two. There, this is maybe the third weekend where I felt like we expected to get a punch and we didn't return the punch the way we should have. Did y'all see that at all? Did we? Did we underestimate? Well, I feel like Ellis for learning, right? And we should have learned from last Friday against South Alabama. And we were better right than there. them, right? And it seems like we didn't learn in that loss. It's. It seems like we just showed up Friday night thinking we just waltzed through the series because they're App State, and historically we do that. So again, it's, and, and I'm not saying this is a trend. We've seen a lot of fight out of these teams and there, there's the Wolfpack mentality, but you throw it back to when we got punked against Southern Miss, I expected the guys to come back and fight and we didn't, we just let them continue to punk us that, that series. And we're doing it again this weekend. I want our guys to show up and fight. Now I'm not talking about physically fight, but be, be tougher at the plate, be more patient and take opportunities where they're given to you and and be better again we're the number one fielding team in the conference show it because there are a couple of questionable plays friday night that that could have gone if, if it would have gone our way we might have had a different outcome but again silly base running mistakes and silly plays in the field that may not have been considered an error but should have been ruled an error that came back to bite us and and it will continue to unless we get better there jared well, go real quick but to his point there's probably three times in the game like the Max Marshak big league play on Friday saves two runs. Uh, JT one swing of the bat. We're totally dominated on Saturday. It's eight to two going in the eighth. And yes, he hit the ball out of the park. But say he fouls that ball off. We're totally dominated. And then today, 
it's nip and tuck until Julian comes up to the plate and hits the bomb. There's three play, play three plays in those games that completely change the complexion of those three games. Well, I think it goes back to what you said, Nick, about the South Alabama series. I mean, you know, we blow that game on Friday night and we respond with a doubleheader win, outscoring them 32 to 11 at their place. And I kind of expected that yesterday and I didn't see it again. It took us to the eighth inning to actually do anything. We had two hits for seven innings against a pitcher with a 10 ERA coming into the game. So that's where I think, again, um, I noticed, and I don't know about you guys, but the App State dugout had a lot more energy than ours. I felt that there was a lot more um, activity going on in there where if they felt like they were in the game, they felt like they were having fun, they felt like they were playing more loose, and we were playing not to lose. Um, again, today proved it. I mean, it's like a football team. When you are when you're, know you're better than the other team and you're trailing at halftime, what usually happens in the second half besides making adjustments is you overpower the team because you know you're better. And I think that's what we did today. But at what expense? We lost two out of three and we lost two at home to a team that we should have beaten. So I'd rather learn the lesson now uh, moving forward because, like I said last week, and I'll stick with it, the schedule doesn't get easier. You know, Josh, you talked about early on in the season how, oh, well, you know, we didn't really, you know, we played most of our games at the Teague. We didn't beat as many as good teams outside of, you know, we lost the series to Campbell. Uh, that was the one team we really played that was good, solid, good, a solid, good ball club. Better, better than but, us. Yeah, I, look, it, moving forward, it gets harder. I mean, Coastal Carolina, Texas State, Southern Miss. I mean, you know, you have to go on the road to Marshall. You have to go on the road to JMU. It doesn't get easier. You know, you've got the school across the basin in two weeks for a midweek game. You got Louisiana Tech twice. I mean, it doesn't get easier. So get used to like, – I hope – I hope – Again, I, I can't stop emphasizing it. I hope today was a day where our team realized that and the guys realized that, you know, we have to step up our game if we want to achieve what we want to achieve come in the end of the year. Um, still a lot of baseball to be played. I mean, today officially makes it we're, we're halfway through the season with a 19 and nine record. I mean, I think it's safe to say that going into the season, if I, if you would have told me we'd be 19 and nine, I'd be satisfied. Um, but. Still, we have way a ways to go, and and hopefully Tuesday starts the second half of the year. Time to time to step it up. Time to bring it up another level and 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 play some baseball that I know we're capable of playing. And it's a good point. You have to evolve in the season, and we've seen Degs teams do that. They get better, and and that's kind of a, a pattern. So you can't you can't complain about that. We typically evolve, get better. We find roles. Uh, there were times where I thought we overcoached this weekend. Bunning Max Marshock, one of your. One of your leaders last year, one of the captains on the team who's struggling, 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 he gets a 0-2 count and you bun him. Like, like what? Why? Let the man swing. Let him swing his way out of it. You saw today he got two hits. Let him swing his way out of it, okay? That's just me. I thought that I, we continued to try to test their catcher, who I thought was excellent. Defensively, his, his arm was great. He threw out runners all, all uh, weekend long. I thought App State was better defensively than I expected him to be. Like you guys said, their numbers aren't great in conference, but they played really good. I know they made two errors on Saturday, but outside of that, it was pretty solid baseball. But they were prepared for us. I mean, the way oh, they shift, no the shifts they had, the way the pitch outs, they threw quite a few pitch outs this weekend expecting us to steal. They came prepared. Look, their coaching staff prepared well. I, I got to give it to them. You can definitely tell their coaching staff prepared for us. And so that that kept us intact. You know, we couldn't, we, our, our attempted steals weren't as successful. I mean, a, again, more pitch outs than usual. Uh, and the way they shifted every single one of our batters, they had somebody ready or a shift ready to go. So 
kudos to their coaching staff. Kudos to their to their team. I mean, they were ready. They were ready, and we weren't. Yeah, so, and notice notice we shifted a lot Sunday or today. We we shifted a whole lot today, more than usual. Go ahead, Nick. And that's what I was going to say. So scouting reports out, right? People know how to play us. How do we adjust? And I was going to say the same thing. We made some adjustments today that we haven't seen all weekend. We're going to have to make those going forward. We are going to, as a coaching staff, have to be better in preparing and planning for games because they're not just going to give it to us. Now Now the word is out. How do our players and coaching staff adjust going forward? That'll be that'll be fun to watch. Hopefully fun to watch. <laughs> we even talked about the fact that we, we kind of calmed down on the shift last week. I think, Nick, you and I were talking about it, and... It's funny how the shift and the and the uh, the fewer shifts kind of correlated to the tipping pitches comment. I don't know if you guys noticed that. I mean, everybody knows that when you shift, it kind of gives an idea of where you're trying to pitch a hitter. So I wondered if maybe they were trying to keep things more in the middle. And and I don't know if teams were catching on to our strategy or how we were trying to pitch guys or whatever. But you saw Friday and Saturday that changed, and then all of a sudden Sunday it's back. So that's a very interesting thing for people to keep their eye on. Before we uh, do anything else, tell you what, this is what we'll do. We'll reverse pitch today. We're going to start with something positive. In game three, you saw a lot of positives. Um, I thought that their starter cross today, who came in with a 7 ERA, like a lot of their guys came in with a 7 ERA, uh, I thought that his stuff was nothing like uh, the two guys before. He was fine, and he did a good job in the early innings. You know, the Cajuns didn't get their first run until the third inning. And then, of course, Julian blows it open in the fourth. But most of most, I thought we just overswung like we did all weekend. Ball out of the zone. Now, look, we can get into the umpires. I understand it was rough this weekend. And I'm still going to continue to say top five RPI league in America. And we can't find better quality umpires with a four man crew than this. I know that's a COVID cost cutting thing. We have got to have some sort of an emergency meeting in the offseason and fix this umpire problem. It's gotten to a point where it's it's literally affecting the games, and and we can't do this. We we play too good of baseball in this league. It's just ridiculous. But anyway, I didn't think Cross had anything like the guys on Friday or Saturday and Sunday. I'm sorry, Saturday and Friday. But he was effective against our hitters because mostly we're just still very very uh, aggressive. Now Hoodie got, I mean, bad luck. Wind was kind of blowing in. He hits a ball that's an absolute rocket. I think it landed eight inches to the left of the foul pole. That would have been a big two-run jack and changed that, that the complexion of that game. I think that was in the fifth inning. But, uh, you know, a couple of coulda, woulda, shouldas. I mean, like a, App State made some good plays defensively. A couple of really nice plays at shortstop. Still, we came and we fought Cooper Rawls. We talked about bright spots for the weekend, and we'll get to that segment. Cooper Rawls is probably going to be my guy. We've been pining for him to get the start, get a chance on a Sunday. I thought that he was probably a little bit nervous in that first inning. There was a couple of times where he was a strike away from getting out of it quickly. They made him throw a couple of extra pitches, which I didn't. Th- I don't think really in the end hurt him too much. But I think after he got over those nerves a little bit, he coasted. He he very economical uh, second, third, and fourth inning really showed like dominant stuff at times. A lot of swing and miss stuff. I thought Cooper was really good. You guys have comments on Cooper. That's what we needed to see out of our Sunday pitcher. Um, and it was good to see it. Look, n- no walks. Now, I think he he might have hit a couple guys. But, that I mean, that's that's his pitching style. He will hit a couple guys. Like, you have to expect that that will happen. We're glad to see that he kept uh, the walks down. He only gave up four hits in five innings. 
uh, kept it. I mean, his pitch count was, I don't even think he hit 90. I think 80, he was in the 80s. Yeah. 89. I don't have it in guys. front of me, but he hit, he was in the 80s. So, um, you know, he could have probably gone a little bit longer, but they didn't want to push it. Um, McGee, he came, came behind him and did a fantastic job. In my opinion, he, he did walk a guy, but I thought he was, he was good behind him. So, um, no, all in all, I think Cooper did a great job and that's what we need to see out of our Sunday Sunday starter is is especially in a in a must win game like we had today. That's exactly what we needed to see. I thought I thought Cooper pitched great. Um, he's been pretty consistent for the most part this year, outside of his uh, performance last week at South Alabama. I mean, look, he's been he's one of the most dependable arms we have right now. And uh, coming out of the pen, he stepped up. But today, as a starter, I mean, what more can you ask for? I think one thing that Cooper does really well as he as tony would call it minimize the damage he'll get you bait he'll get you guys on base he'll give some base runners here and there he may give up a hit or two like you said nick he may hit a batter once or twice but one thing he will not do is he will not uh expand on that he'll find ways to close innings out he'll find ways to depend on his his fielders or his defense to to bail to bail him out or or he'll just find ways to get out the inning and so at the end of the day sometimes you know it may not look pretty but when you're coming out of the inning with no run scored, I think at this point with our pitching staff, the way they've been up and down, that's really what more could you ask for, right? So, uh, no, Cooper pitched a great game today. And uh, moving forward, I mean, look, if he pitches like that every Sunday, just give him the Sunday spot. I mean, <laughs> he shot him out today. So what more What more can you say? Well, he earned the spot. That's his bottom line. And look, five and two-thirds, 89 pitches. He, he did only strike out four, but they were in big spots. Now, like Nick said, he did hit three guys. My thing about Cooper Rawls is that he'll challenge you. He's not scared to attack the zone. I love that. It's Sunday, and this is another thing. Shows what kind of confidence they have to give him the opportunity. Because I'm telling you, it, it might not show up in, in the way that some people look at the schedule, but today was a must-win game. You cannot get swept at the Teague by a traditionally bottom-of-the-barrel conference mate. I know they're better. I understand that. But psychologically, what does that do? You get swept by App State at home? To me, today was a must-win. It's one of the – maybe we've had two or two or three other must-wins, but today was huge for me. Uh, and then, like Nick said, McGee comes in, was freaking dominant up until they yanked him after he gave up those two hits. I mean, really, he threw 42 pitches. Uh, his stuff was – electric down in the zone everything dove down everything he was very good efficient mostly until towards the end of that that uh that appearance you know there were some things where you know you'd like to have back but I mean McGee you give me a one-two punch of Rawls and McGee he like that'll shut down a decent offense that's that is a weapon on Sunday uh, especially when you're playing with house money and then we got to see Moody come back he threw six pitches and got three outs in an inning and was also dominant so it kind of stays in line with the pitching that we're talking about, how they're up and down. Sometimes they look absolutely dominant. Sometimes they look like they can't hit the broadside of a barn. And it, it's it's weird that it's not necessarily individuals. It's as a whole. Sometimes you feel like you can't find that guy to plug the plug the dam. Sunday was not one of those times. We needed it. We got it. They trusted the guys to go out and do it, and they did it. So overall, pitching Sunday was a huge bright spot, and great to see McGeehee back. You know, we know he has some lingering health issues. Hopefully he's healthy for the long haul, because you could see it was very clear what they like about him. He's got very, very good stuff. And then the offense, uh, for a while, not much to write home about. Um, but then in the no, in the third, Peyton Lejeune, he steals home on, uh, you know, that that delayed steal from first to second. Marshak uh, dodges the tag, 
we get the guy in and we we made some noise in in the third, ultimately only got the one run. But of course, everybody knows Julian Brock now has three grand slams on the season. That's got to be towards the top of the country in grand slams. I mean, three, that's a lot. Uh, he comes in and gets the big lick, absolutely smoked it. And you had to hit the ball hard today to get it out with the south wind blowing in. That was that was one of those like big boy home runs where it just had the oohs and the ahs, and it took a while to get out, and it was just great. It was it's one of those it was one of those big boy home runs. That's all I can say. I mean, that was awesome. How did it look on TV? Or Jerry, I don't know if you were watching on TV or. Yeah, no, it it looked great. And that, that's something else I was going to mention is that this whole weekend, strong winds blowing in. Yeah. So it what we our bread and butter is hitting for power, and when you, I mean, there were several balls hit to deep outfield that that on a normal day with no wind would have been out i mean we didn't need any help with it but when you've got a 17 mile per hour win or whatever it was it might not have been that high but when you have a, a a wind blowing straight in that just makes it difficult for you to 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 you know where, where your bread and butter is, is is power hitting really makes it difficult how many times did we see a ball to the outfield that sounded like it was going to be a base hit line drive and then it ends up in the in the the glove of one of their outfielders and they didn't even move. So Zambo hit like four in the outfield that, that you thought, oh, that's got a shot. And exactly. then it just dies in the gap. Exactly. So I'm not again, I'm not pressing the panic button on the weekend because there were a lot of there were a few factors that were working against us because as again, a power hitting team, you you expect that you're gonna hit some bombs and you didn't. Um, but glad to see that we adjusted and and look that that home run, I mean. Yeah, it, it, that was fun to watch. And you felt it coming. I mean, the guy is, he, he just does what he does and you expect it out of him, which is sad to say that that when he doesn't come cl- come into a situation like that and be clutch, you're kind of disappointed. But I mean, I, I I don't even know what to say. I just, I love this guy as our catcher. He's a power hitter. He's clutch. Um, I don't know, man. He's he's probably my favorite since Maziani. I know, I know Maz is, is, is your favorite. But he's he's a close second for me. Oh, there's no question. He's he's right up there. In the seventh, <laughs> in the seventh, we were one ball away from bringing Julian back up with the bases loaded again. Right, if y'all remember right. that, um, Jerry, your thoughts on the offense, man? They they got look, they got nine hits today, and, and they they were able to kind of spread the love all throughout the nine innings instead of you know showing up in the eighth like they did yesterday, and and you know the bats you know going cold like they did they're pretty much the entire game on friday night uh i think julian brock's home run or grand slam uh pretty much shut the door for app state today i mean when he got that grand slam i pretty much knew i said look finally we were we're going to redeem ourselves today and get a win in this series so anytime you have that type of clutch hit and then anytime you really have i mean today we had a bunch of guys get base hits i thought that was big too i wish we would have scored them a little bit more but you know i think a day like today where everybody's getting on base or everybody's able to have discipline. I noticed they walked out a few of our guys, but we didn't chase pitches. That was nice to see. I thought the discipline at the plate was a lot better today. Again, more patient. You're good hitting teams. I don't care how aggressive you are. If you're patient, you can still be aggressive and patient at the same time. And today I thought we were that. I thought our guys uh, were very, very patient. And uh, we're able to get guys on base. And as Tony used to say, get the timely hit and, and, (laughs) You know, Julian got the the best of all the, the best of the best timely hits with that grand slam to left field. Um, so, again, um, couldn't ask for much more at the bats. Thought it was a very impressive day at the plate today. Something that won't show up on the stat sheet is that one thing that the App State pitchers did well, I thought, on Friday and Saturday, is their missed pitches were very close to the zone. 
They weren't wild. The guy today across who started, I felt like his misses were big misses. So I felt like it was a little bit easier to be more patient at the plate. And maybe that's just me, but I felt like, uh, and the zone was a little bit different today. It was more consistent, not nearly as, in, in, like, I mean, I thought that the zone on Friday was a joke. I thought that the zone on Saturday was gigantic, and I thought the zone today was a little bit more defined. So I think it was a little bit easier for our hitters to to take pitches. Um, that's just a fan, you know, fanalists watching the game. Uh, but I, I really believe that, especially on Friday, they they missed closely. They 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 weren't all over the place. So that that's one thing maybe to look for. Um, yeah, to your and, point, and just to add just to add to that, uh, I, I wasn't going to complain about umpiring, but I'll go ahead and do it. The Friday and Saturday, especially Friday night. Guy was throwing pitches that were six inches off the plate in the opposing batter's box below the knees strikes. And if he's giving it to you, App State pitchers were smart enough to keep throwing it there. And That's they right. kept getting the calls. So credit to them because the guy behind the plate was was giving them those pitches. We weren't necessarily getting those pitches from our pitchers, but they were. Uh, so, uh, again, I, I'm not saying that that it's, it's an umpiring. Uh, again, they were atrocious, but... You've got to adjust as a batter to know what the zone is. The I don't know that he was inconsistently bad. He was consistently bad, and and his his spot his his pitch that he was giving him on the outside corner, low and outside, he was giving them to him all night. So you've got to adjust to that. And it seems like instead of adjusting, we just got frustrated, and we got to stop getting frustrated and start adjusting. Be smarter than that. So I know I'm jumping ahead, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Well, we got some veteran guys on this team, and you would think that we could. You know, the leadership on this club is good. We got to be able to be heady. We have to. James, real quickly, is asking about what our ceiling is and what our identity is. I mean, look, people can laugh at this all they want, but I pay attention to everything when it comes to the mentality of a team. The coaches didn't want the stats on the board. And for me, y'all can laugh all you want. That's a red flag for me. What is it about a team's mental makeup that tells you as a coach, I don't want the, the, the stats on, on the board, whether it is to pump their head up or whether it is to keep them focused on the game or if they're struggling like Max is, they don't want to see it. I don't know what it is, but that is a bizarre decision to me. It, it remains. Now, they fixed it, but the reason they fixed it is because fans complained so much that they said, yo, well, you know, it's the customer and we got to follow the customer and we got to put the, the data up there. And that's great. And I'm glad they fixed it. And kudos to, to them. It's a business at the end of the day. But that's a red flag. That tells me something. What is it about this team? Who are we? I mean, I don't know. Maybe you guys can throw in a quick answer, but I don't think we know who we are yet. Are, are we a power team? No, not necessarily. Are we a hitting team? We do all right. But we're middle of the pack nationally. I mean, we're not some great juggernaut offense. Um, are we a pitching team? I would say no to that, obviously. Uh, I know our ERA is not bad as a team, but again, consider the strength of schedule. What do we do against good offenses? You saw it against Campbell. You saw We've battled. Have we shut people up, shut them down? No. Uh, are we a defensive club? I think maybe that might be something we can hang our hat on as we go into the season. I mean, Max Marshak is a revelation at third base. We're strong up the middle, there's no question. Julian's defense has gotten much better over the last two weeks. And for a while, that, that was kind of baffling. Center field has been a bright spot. Heath Hood is great and right. Left field, we've got three or four different guys we can stick out there. Mason Zambo has been awesome at first base. John Taylor at second has been fantastic. I think your defense, that might be your identity. Go ahead, Jerry. So far, what I think we are, and <laughs> may not be a popular opinion, um, Look, before 
I say it, I think I'm happy we're 19 and on. But to your point, it kind of goes back to what we've complained about in the previous years about basketball. When you schedule easy and you're able to win the games you're supposed to win, but when it comes to playing competition that's similar or better, you can't beat them. I see that with this team right now. I think on 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 paper, when you look at our schedule, we have beaten the teams we're supposed to beat. BYU, you won the series against High Point. You beat you beat Rice on the road. You went you've won most of your midweek games. But then you go play Mississippi State, a team that's struggling in the SEC. You lose to them in the midweek. Then you lose the series to Campbell, even though they're better than us. But then you do what you did this week against App State, and you lose a series at home. Um, I compare that to you know everybody wants to talk about basketball in the previous years, oh, we won 20 games. Well, if you look at the schedule you play, it's expected that you win 20 games. And I find that about this team so far. Now, the difference between that and this team is that not only are we not satisfied, I expect this team to get better this second half. I think today was an epiphany with the way we pitched. Uh, seeing McGee come back and get some play time on the mound, the way he was able to pitch, that's going to be huge moving forward. But so far from what I've seen, if you want to talk about an identity, I think the best way to put it is you beat the teams you're supposed to beat, but the teams on par are better than you. You're still you're competing against them, but you're not quite over that hump yet. So um, I just feel like we, we, we're, we're doing what we're supposed to do. But if we want to reach the ultimate goal of winning a regional, I right now I, I'm going to say we're not there yet. But the good news is, is we're one half through the season and second half is important. So you know, second half of the year, maybe we can, you know, correct some of our wrongs, you know, uh, kind of, I guess, I guess fixed a little bit of the kinks and evolve. Then You're saying evolve. evolve. By evolve. the way, yes. I said that after Arkansas state and you would have said that I thought the team was horrible. All I said was we got to improve with situational defense late in games and pitching. That has Look, been true for the last two weeks. If people want to get upset about that for a basic observation that I think everybody saw this weekend, then I'm sorry, too bad. I mean, we see what we see. We watched the games. We saw what we saw this weekend. You lost a home series to a team that you should have beaten. And I think up until this point, again, you've won the games you're supposed to win, but at the same time, you've lost some games that you could have won as well. Um, that high point game on Saturday, you should have swept them at home. You know, you, you should have beaten Mississippi State. You had a chance to beat Mississippi State in, in Biloxi. You didn't. Um, so not to sound harsh, I'm happy we're 19 and nine. And I know people, oh my gosh, we're 19 and nine. What are you so upset about? Well, because I do think we're, we're I look at where would I look at what we're capable of doing. I look at what we're capable of. And there's one thing I'll say about this coaching staff. One thing I'll say about Matt Deggs is Matt Deggs never gets complacent. He's not a complacent coach. He's not, uh, I know for a fact after losing yesterday, he probably was not happy that we lost the home series to App State. So I think they're going to continue to work. They're going to continue to grind. They're going to continue to get better. But if we play the second half of the year like we've played so far the first half of the year where we struggle in pitching, we walk batters home or we walk in runs, uh, we don't we don't get timely hits, we strike out, well, then so be it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I still think we have we – have, a good chance to to get better and I think we will evolve. We did it last year, we did it the year before, so we'll see. Yeah, and 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 to add on to that, look, when I say power hitting club, I don't mean gorilla ball from back in the day. When I say power hitting, we don't get cheated on swings, right? When we hit the ball, we crush the ball. And and so I think again, like we said last season this time when we were feeling not nearly as great as we're feeling this year about the team, it's lacking consistency. I think we have above average hitting, but not consistently above average hitting. 
Some nights we look absolutely awful at the plate, and then we go score 22 runs against that same team the next night. I think our pitching, as much as they frustrate us, is is more consistent because we know what we're getting every night. We know what we're getting, right. right? We know what we're getting out of the pitching staff at this point. Hitting, you don't know what you're getting from day to day, from pitcher to pitcher, and that, to me, is what we need to improve with. And, and that all goes down to, again, patience at the plate. We got to have more patience at the plate. We got to adjust to the strike zone. And and we got to just, in general, have more consistency. And that goes on to base running. We got to have more consistency on base running. And I feel like we've we've sort of moved to stopping the 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 I call it being brain dead on the on the bases where we just made these mental errors. I feel like we're getting better there, but I feel like we should be ahead of where we are with that consistency. And we're just not there yet. If we get consistent with our hitting, we're going to be a very dangerous club. But again, from pitcher to pitcher and from night to night, you don't know what you're getting going into that game. So that to me is the biggest concern that I have so far this season. So it sounds like you think our identity is that we're inconsistent. Well, our identity is that we're a hit, we're we're a power hitting club again, not in the typical sense, but we just need to be consistent in that because it's a Matt Deggs philosophy, and it's you know when you have a Matt Deggs coach team, they're going to crush the ball, they're going to be a good hitting ball club, and we are. We're just not consistently a good hitting ball club. I'll take. I that. think I think the best way to put it, and I'm crossing sports here, so I'm breaking a few rules. Was like, okay, so Matt Deggs is like Sean Payton; he's an offensive guy. It's kind of like the Sean Payton Saints when they would go seven and nine, even though they had all the weapons on offense, but they were inconsistent. And then their defense would slip up at the worst time. It's kind of that same similarity where I think what we're seeing now is the eight and eight Saints under Sean Payton or seven and nine Saints under Sean Payton when they could be 12 and four. And I think, but again, it's only the first half of the year, right? So I think we still have a chance to improve and I think we will improve. I'm very optimistic of that. But to your point, Nick, I think that's a good way of putting it is, we ha- we're, we're known to have a good offense. We're known to play small ball and, and really be able to do both a hybrid of small ball and gorilla ball when we want to. But if you can't, if you can't execute those two things, you become a team that struggles. And I think we've seen that here and there, but for the most part, again, we've won 19 games so far. We're 19 and nine. It's, you know, the, the, the positives outweigh the negatives, but yet sometimes the negatives are peaking their heads a little too much more than we'd like. Well, we've played some Rougarou ball. We don't play a lot of small ball. This team doesn't do it. We don't execute it well. You haven't seen a lot of small ball. So I think maybe that might be the missing ingredient in this chaotic offense that we don't see. Uh, we've been throwing out a lot this year on the base pass. And I know we've stolen a lot of base, a lot of bases to the to the halfway point. I think we're double what we had last year. I think there's a lot that goes into that. Couple games where we really just ran it up uh, against really bad teams. But I know that the more you run, the more you're gonna get thrown out. It just feels like we've been thrown out a lot more in just regular situations where we typically don't. Uh, but anyway, let's round out the offense for game one. Uh, to your point about spreading the love, Peyton Lejeune had probably his best offensive game as a Cajun in three official at-bats, three hits, one run scored, and a base on ball. Uh, he also had a stolen base. Uh, Carson Rockerford had a hit, scored a run, uh, had an RBI and a walk. Uh, Max Marshock, two hits today, which I was so happy about. You know, the guy gets a standing ovation when he gets a, a single and – you know, I don't know how he feels about that. He did have a stolen base as well. I don't know how he feels about that, but your heart just goes out to him. He's a team captain. He's one of those guys that really sparked us last year. He battled injuries. He's a gritty dude. I just hope that I hope that he can get it going because he's one of my favorite players on the team. Uh, ben Robichaud, all he does is continue to get on base. Two walks, 
Uh, again today, he did go 0 for 1 in one official at bat, scored a run, uh, no stolen bases for him, which is weird. Heath Hood, who had kind of a tough weekend, one hit today in three official at bats. It was a double, and he did walk, almost hit a bomb, which, like I said, six feet, uh, six inches to the right, and that would have been out and changed the entire game. Um, of course, Julian Brock had the big bomb. That was his only hit. He did not walk, but just another grand slam to the total. Uh, John Taylor, another hit today. No walks uh, in his four plate appearances officially. Mason Zambo had some tough luck outs. Four official at bats, no hits, uh, but hit so many to the gap that just got held up by the win. I think he feels like he's about to break out. You know, I, he, he has that look to him. He's seeing the ball well. He's not missing it by much. Uh, Connor Higgs did get in the, in the game, had one official at bat, no hit, uh, nothing at all. Caleb Stelly did also get in the, bat at the, uh, in the game, no official at bats to get a walk. Uh, again, Rawls, McGee, Moody, combined for uh, a very good pitching performance. Of course, Rawls gets the win. He's now 6-0 and on the year with a 130 ERA. That's the first time he started the game to get the win. Moody looked great in relief. Cajuns win 6 nothing. So that was a positive, and I wanted to start on a positive note before we moved in to the rest of the weekend, which didn't feature a whole ton of positivity. Uh, Saturday, Cajuns lose at App State 8-5. to in a game that was pretty much an ass-whipping until John Taylor hit the three-run jack in the eighth, gave you some life, which, again, I'll always give them credit for. I always will. Because at the end of the day, you judge a team on how they bounce back and how they how they are able to... You play nine innings for a reason. You get three outs an inning for a reason. I'll give them a ton of credit for fighting. John Taylor has been a spark plug and a, a, just a guy that, without him, I don't know where we'd be. Because he's come in and he spelled Debo. Debo sounds like he's going to be out for a couple of weeks, which is really a blow to the offense, but it's also a blow to the defense. The fact that we even have a guy like John Taylor that you can plug and play, who has been really, really good everywhere you put him, third base, second base, shortstop. He's been really good at the plate since he's been getting more playing time. Um, he, he's just been great. So outside of that one swing, it's pretty much a domination by, by App State. I mean, they got off to a great start, three in the first, it kind of puts you behind the eight ball. Uh, we did respond with one in the second after they tacked on another run. It's four to one going into the third. We get one in the bottom of the third. It's four to two. We kind of trade blows in the fourth, and then in the fifth they get the two run, uh, uh, to the two runs to extend the lead. Again, Jackson Nezu. Okay, he's been probably our most consistent starter. That's why they moved him into the Saturday role. It was a big time start for him right there after you lose on Friday. He goes four and a third. He gives up seven hits, six runs, five earned, walked one, uh, which is not horrible. But again, 95 pitches and four and a third. You hate that he seems to be taking that step up the ladder in. We trust him. He's been he's been good for us. He's been consistent for us. He takes a pretty big step back uh, again on Saturday. What did you guys see out of Jackson? He's been a guy that we've been, I mean, National Pitcher of the Week last week. You know, Going back to your point about the identity being inconsistent, that is about as inconsistent as you can be. And I understand that Arkansas State is not App State. I get it. But by the numbers, they're pretty, con they're pretty close uh, when you compare them with regards to stats. So what did you guys see out of Jackson on Saturday? I saw what you uh, saw. You know, I saw him struggle. Yeah. And I saw, like you said, inconsistency. He's been really good at times. Um, and then you go back to – the Rice series where he had a, a bad performance and we saw that again. So we just need him to be, I mean, he doesn't have to blow another team out of the water every time he has an appearance. Uh, but when you give App State a three or really a four run lead in the first couple innings, 
and we're struggling at the plate the Friday night. Now that puts you under the eight ball on Saturday. So again, we need to get we need to get a consistent performance from him to get us off to a good start. And uh, I mean, beside that, you look at Bradley Wilson for App State. He came in with a ten point two ERA, and and we can't get a hit off the guy. We we can't score runs. I mean, that's again, you got to be you're you're a good hitting ball club. Show it against a pitcher who's got a ten ERA, and we just failed to do it because. Again, we didn't adjust to the awful zone and and we it seems like we press, which is what we do. We just we try too hard, you know, you try to make chicken soup out of chicken, you know what? So we got to be more patient at the plate in those situations when you know you're already down a game. Don't don't give them the advantage by swinging at every pitch, especially off-speed pitches. We really struggled with um just be patient, take your pitch. But 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 again, it all comes down to, like I said, when you ha- when you got off to a bad start on Friday, your pitching has to at least give you a little breathing room. And we didn't do that. Jackson didn't give it give us off to a good start. Now we're now we're pressing again. Now we're trying to score runs instead of uh, of letting it come to us. So that that's what I saw out of it. Yeah, I think, you know, in the first inning yesterday um, or on the Saturday game, I think one we made an error before that three run home run. That's I right. Mean, I, if, without the error, we're we're out of the inning, right? Aren't we out of the inning? Or yeah, so you know we don't give up that three-run bomb. Well, then from there, to Nick's point, we press. We press at the plate because now you're down three runs. So now you're playing catch up against a guy with a ten ERA, and, and you can't get on base. You can't get hits. I mean, we had two, again, we had two hits through seven innings on the Saturday. I mean, you know, you're playing catch up the entire game, and while you're trying to to be aggressive at the plate. You're giving up runs. You're giving up blooper hits. You're walking batters. You're basically being a charity and letting them score runs. You know, they really, I'm not going to take anything away from App State, but it's almost like when you're giving them runs and you can't hit the ball, it's a recipe for a disaster. And that's what happened. And, and so I felt like we gave them a lot of things. Now they took some things. They earned some of these runs. They earned uh, they earn these wins, but at the same time, you can't give them that boost. You can't give them opportunities. And it doesn't matter who you play. It doesn't matter how much better you are than a team. It doesn't matter who who's on the schedule. You, when you give things to other teams and you can't capitalize and make up for it, like getting on base and getting base hits, you're going to lose. And that's what we saw on Saturday. And Jackson, I mean, he's been clutch for us. I mean, he got the Saturday start. He's now our Saturday guy. You know, and and I think he's still he's still pitching well for us overall. But and and he you know, but but can't can't win like pitching like that yesterday. And 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 you got to be able to whenever you know you got to be able to respond if 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 one of your guys makes an error, got to be able to answer to that. So look, I'm not down on Jackson. I think he'll bounce right back. I think he's going to do a great job against Marshall. But at the same time, I hope it's a lesson for him. I hope it's it's an experience that he can he can brush off and, and learn from. Jackson, to me, is kind of like a microcosm of the team. National Player of the Week, National, pitch, national Pitcher of the Week, uh, economical through eight. I mean, what a great performance last week. And he's had several good performances. But the bad performances are bad. I mean, he got knocked around. And, and again, like you said, credit to App State. When they had opportunities in that game on Saturday, they made them pay. They made Jackson pay, and they made Trey LaFleur pay. And they made couch pay. I mean, 
they didn't we didn't give them the game. We gave them the opportunities. Don't get me wrong, but they cashed in when they could. But overall, like, what are the two things in common on Friday and Saturday? You got off to bad starts uh, of pitching. Pitching got off to bad starts again this weekend. David Christie came in. He was okay. Gave up a hit in two, uh, one and two-thirds through 21 pitches. Didn't walk anybody and struck out three. Now, typically, Deggs will leave him in, and I've kind of got on him a, a little bit about leaving in Christie. Uh, I think Christie is, like, second on the team in innings pitched or something like that. Well, Kind of, I don't know if it was a matchup situation, but they pulled him what I thought might have been a little bit early. They put in Trey LaFleur. He goes an inning and a third, gives up a run, an earn run, walks three, strikes out two, up and down, can't find the strike zone. Then when he does, he looks all world. Jerry Couch comes in, uh, gets a couple of big outs, gives up a hit, does strike out a guy. And then you saw Blake Marshall struggle again. Um, you know, the thing about Blake Marshall is that early in the season, he's unhittable. And then you see a bat, you see a Somewhat bad performance, snowball into a really bad performance, and then you see him come in and get one out on one pitch last week, and he's used sparingly, and then he comes in in a big spot two times this weekend and not effective. You know, that goes back to the inconsistency. I, I think I'm convincing myself that our identity is that we're inconsistent, on the mound especially, and Nick, Nick nailed it. The reason why we don't give the pitchers much grief is because we know where our expectation is. We've set a, a legitimate... A, a, a realistic expectation with pitching. Give me three, four, five runs, you feel like you can win the game. It's when we start getting away from that five, that, that five-run barrier. You start walking, guys, you can't get it. At times, it was so sloppy on Saturday. That's the thing that I take away from Saturday. It just got sloppy. And again, without JT's swing, and it matters because it happened in the game, but if you take away that one pitch, it's total domination against a team that, we're still better than. I don't care what the stats say. We're we are better. We have more talent than that team did. So we played good defense. I mean, we did make that one error that led to runs. Other than that, mostly mostly good baseball defensively. Walking guys, inconsistent pitching. Umpire was bad. Not the reason why we lost, but I know that that can be frustrating. And again, the offense did not compete until late in that game against a guy with a ten ERA. And I'm not saying the pitching put us in a position to win because they didn't. But again, sure. you feel like your pit, your your hitting is going to come around and and get some runs, even though you give up four or five runs. You feel like you can get five six, and we just didn't do it early enough in the game to put any doubt in App State's mind. We got one run, and that was it. And and, and so. You have a scrappy team like App State that's doing all this hooting and hollering and you got the guy on the mound staring down and all that crap and you don't respond. That would have pissed, as a player, that would have pissed me off and got, given me motivation yes. to go out there as a hitter. But it seems like instead of getting that motivation to go out and get hits, it, we just pressed and, and we tried to force things that couldn't happen. Now, later in the game, like you said, JT, and then we had an opportunity at the end. I think bases were loaded and... Was it Brock that was up that hit the deep fly ball to right field? I think that was JT again. Yeah, it might have been JT again. And I mean that that was, you know, it was it was short of the warning track, but you get a good you get a good breeze and that's out of here and then we're not having this conversation. But too little too late. If if we see our pitching is not having a great night, we have to offensively get ourselves in a better position to compete and we just did not compete at the plate Friday or Saturday. We left 10 guys on base, which is pretty bad. We walked five times, which later in the game, we started getting base, uh, getting people on base by being a little bit more patient, and we already talked about the zone and everything. But really, again, you didn't turn it on until late in that game. 
John Taylor was the star of the show. Three RBI, two hits. The three RBI came on the homer, but he had two hits. Really good at bats. Even his outs were loud, you know? So I'm going to give him a ton of credit for just stepping up in a situation where Debo is out and people are looking at him to fill a big, I mean, really big shoes. Debo was one of the hottest hitters in the conference for about a month. So that's a big spot to come in. Uh, Max, no hits. He did walk. Ben Robichaud, yet again, a walk and a hit. Had an RBI. Heath Hood, again, I mentioned he had a kind of a uncharacteristically a quiet weekend. Five official at-bats, one hit, and a strikeout. Didn't walk. Carson Rockerfort. Every time you think he's about to turn the corner, he looks like he's having a rough day or a rough weekend. Uh, he did get a hit in four at-bats. He did walk one time. I know he's getting the best stuff from other teams, but... You feel like at some point Rock's going to turn it on, and it's a different lineup when he's hitting the way he can hit. So we're kind of just waiting for that to happen. Julian Brock had a hit in three official at-bats, did score two runs. Again, Luke Juhas had two, uh, two opportunities at the plate, did nothing, had two strikeouts, didn't really look particularly good at all. Uh, Caleb Selle got a pitch hit, hit uh, single. Connor Higgs got a net bat, did have an RBI, a sack RBI in three appearances. But he looks like one of those guys that the more he plays, the better he gets. Really kind of confused as how he doesn't get more opportunities with Will Vayon kind of up and down. But that's a whole other conversation. C.J. Willis really had a, a tough weekend. He swung at a lot of balls out of the zone. And I know that can be frustrating. C.J. is an aggressive hitter. That is something that I really like about him. But it gets him in trouble. Uh, but he only got one at bat officially in, in the game on Saturday. Peyton Lejeune won at bat officially on Saturday. Not much. Two walks. He did uh, not score a run. And that's it for our offense. App State just came out and slapped the ball around when they had the opportunity. I mean, that really is the story of that game. Inconsistency. Three bases. There was a couple of hit batsmen. Just things that we got to clean up. That's going to lead to success or lack thereof. That's just the bottom line. We've got to see more consistency across the board. We move into, uh, and by the way, the Cajuns lose 8-5. to five, uh, And Nick said we, we had an opportunity. Bases loaded. JT up. In the ninth, didn't happen. You can say the wind's blowing in. Yeah, it was. I think he got under the ball. Whatever. We lose. Lose the series. And then move into, uh, we'll move into game one, which really set the tone for the series loss. Again, Jake Hammond, three and two-thirds, just like last weekend. He gave up four hits, three earned runs. Yet again, it just felt like he didn't have that extra something. I wonder if he's all the way healthy. Uh, it looks like his breaking balls are not snapping off the way they they had early in the season. Again, he's a bullpen arm his whole career uh, at UL. Maybe he's hitting a wall with some fatigue. I'm not saying that's what it is. I'm just thinking out loud. Three more walks and three innings. Jake Hammond's got to get off to a Friday night start that is worthy of, of a conference series. And there's been a couple of times, maybe three times this year in series, where he's kind of gotten us to a, to a start that we could – really not recover from. Now, this was a 3-2 game. We had plenty of opportunities. But again, you could just tell that there was something not there early on. You guys agree? Yeah, no. I mean, again, getting off to the um, the start that we did, it, it was almost a microcosm of what we did Saturday. It's, it's where they took it to us, and, and we didn't really have much of a response. Right. Uh, there, I thought their starting pitcher was was good. Um, I think he was not as great as he thought he was, but he kept us off balance all night and and did the job he had to do. So uh, again, I, I think we just have to be more consistent in our starting pitching because we got to get more than three innings out of our starter on a Friday. That dictates the series, and and that just got us off to a bad start. Setting I think that was pitching 
how you're gonna how you're gonna line up guys i mean like we didn't even see tommy ray we didn't see any sam hill there were other guys that we thought we were gonna see i think that that all happened on friday night the way that that started and who had to come in in relief and all that you know i just i think that changed everything go ahead jerry can't walk two batters home can't walk two runners home you gave him two runs you lost by one run and then we didn't respond i mean we struck out 18 times so that's that's my take on Friday night. That's the way that that's my entire summary on Friday night. You're not going to beat many people striking out 18 times. There are 27 outs in a game, and you struck out 18 times of those 27. You're not going to do very much. And and this is not breaking news. Everybody knows that. But but you got to say like you put you had them on the ropes late in the or in the in the middle innings. Uh, I'm talking about uh, Xander Hamilton, their starter. You had him on the ropes, and credit to him. He came back, he fought back, he got himself out of the jam, and then he just shut the door. I mean, the guy, he threw 115 pitches in six innings. That's how much he labored. So again, we gave ourselves opportunity. He only walked, let's see, he walked four guys. So he gave us those free, you know, we sit here and we preach about free bases. Well, we got some free passes, and we didn't, we didn't cash them in. Some of that is us, and some of that is him. Um, I thought he had a pretty good mix. He touched 92 with his fastball, 93. Um, and then he had a very good... 80 to 82 mile an hour changeup, and then he had a very good 76 mile an hour. What looked like a slurve, uh, it had a lot of bite on it, but it, it never stopped uh, moving late in the zone, which that was very impressive. But the thing that he adjusted in the in the fifth and sixth inning, he just came in and pumped strikes, and he was just pounding 92, 93. It was almost like he in the middle of the game they decided let's change our approach third time through the lineup or you know second second going into the third time in the lineup, and he just pumped fastballs to our hitters who are billed as fastball hitting, uh, hitting uh, roster. And we couldn't touch it. We were late on everything. I don't know if he just he set the tone in their minds that something else was going to be coming, but they could not touch the fastball. Did that surprise y'all? Well, it surprised me that the the strike zone was six inches off the plate in the oh, other batter's it, box. That so, is very true. It again, our, our hitters did not adjust to the strike zone, and I think that was the key to our loss is that instead of adjusting, we got frustrated. And you could tell by the way they were acting. Yeah. So L is for learning. Learn forward. You got to adjust to the strike zone and not just get pissed off when you don't get the call. Because this guy was getting the call. So what are you going to do to counter it? And we just pouted. And that didn't work. So Xander Hamilton has the uh, the outing that we told you. Six innings, four hits, two earned runs. He did walk four guys, but he struck out 13. 115 pitches thrown. Skylar Brooks comes in in relief and gives up absolutely nothing outside of a walk. Throws 28 pitches. The Cajuns couldn't touch that guy. Jackson Stenzema comes in for an inning and shuts the door with three Ks. I mean, just absolutely blew us away in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, you know, you could say a lot about our hitters, but that was impressive to me. As aggravated as I was about that performance, you got to tip your hat to the other guy. Jake Hammond, we talked about him. Four hits, three earned runs, three base on balls, three strikeouts, 77 pitches. The spotlight, or the, the bright spot of the night on Friday to me, Ben Tate, four and two-thirds, only gave up a hit, had two strikeouts, no walks. That was really great stuff. If Ben Tate can pitch like that, we said this last week, he is a weapon and also a candidate to start. He really can. We know he can do it. Uh, he just he needs to work on his confidence. Like Matt said, Matt Degg said, the guy, if he, if he starts off behind hitters, he struggles to recover. If he can pitch from ahead like he did on Friday, he is a threat. Carson Fluno comes in for an out. Blake Marshall comes in for an out. One pitch gets out of it in the eighth, uh, or excuse me, in the top of the ninth. I mean, there's really nothing to say about the offense. Ben Robichaux, John Taylor, Heath Hood, and Carson Rockefort all had single hits. The bottom and middle of the lineup, over, did absolutely nothing. Guys like Brock Zambo, Veyon, Willis, Amity, 
Uh, got He got a pinch hit uh, opportunity. Marshak, nothing. Absolutely nothing. And again, you got to set the tone on Friday night. Credit to App State. They came in and they, they whipped our ass. I mean, that's just what happened. Their pitchers came in. Nick said it. They punked us. Uh, there's really not much to say about Friday. We got beat. There's nothing more I want to say about Friday, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, final thoughts, Jerry, on Friday, the series as a whole, and then we'll move on to the league. No, not really. I mean, again, I, I think I've spoken enough about it. I mean, you, you can't I, – I hope this is a wake-up call that it doesn't matter who's on your schedule. You have to show up and play. In the first two games, I felt like we didn't really want to be there. At least that's the man, that's the feeling I got. And you saw App State's energy in their dugout, and they looked like they were ecstatic. And, and you can tell the energy flowed onto the field. And that's why they beat us two out of three games. So, again, we, we were able to wake up today, and now got to bring that same energy for the next 28 games. Can't say I disagree with anything you guys said. I mean, they had the energy. We did not. I, I thought we underestimated them, if I'm being honest. Uh, to give you a trip around the league to uh, – Give you some some perspective on what's going on around the league. Texas State, who is 19 and 9 at this point, really one of those weird teams. They look great, they look bad. It depends on the day, it depends on the pitcher, it depends on the weather. I don't know what to get out of these guys. Um, Arkansas State, you all saw what they could do. They were pretty decent offensively, but they just played three one run games with Texas State, and that was at home in San Marcos. Uh, Friday night, eight to seven, a Bobcat victory. Arkansas comes back. Arkansas State comes back and wins five to four. Uh, and then ultimately today in the rubber match, Texas State wins seven to six. Very competitive uh, in, in, a, in a series that you wouldn't think would be competitive. So I give a whole lot of credit to Texas State. Now, we have to say that Texas State is a completely different ball club when they play in that Cracker Jack, Cracker Jack ballpark in Slam Marcos, as they call it. Uh, you know, still... You got to give Arkansas State some credit. I mean, they've been kind of kicked around for a very long time. Tommy Raffo, good coach. We understand that. They don't have a ton of resources. I get it. Uh, but to go into Slam Marcos and steal one on Saturday, that's pretty impressive. Uh, anybody have any thoughts on Texas State? No, it was a good win for Arkansas State. That was huge anytime you're able to go there because we haven't won there in a while ourselves. So, no, it was a good win. Good win for them. But, uh, I mean, Texas State's just a better team. But, Yeah. Agree. I think that they're starting to kind of maybe figure out some things. Maybe not. Again, I don't know what their splits are, but on the road, it's a lot worse than it is at home. That's for sure. Uh, Southern Miss travels to Troy in a pretty competitive series until today. Uh, Southern Miss at Troy wins 4-1 to on Friday. Very good baseball game. I watched some of it on replay. Troy comes back and wins the Saturday game 5-4. to Another really good baseball team. And Troy is another one of those teams that I think is very good. Uh, I'm, I'm concerned about playing them. But USM comes back and just outlasts them. 13-3 to today. They, they piled it on to win the series. That's a very nice series win for USM. Um, I know that they're kind of down on their pitching right now. And, and like us, their offense has been a little bit inconsistent. At the end of the day, they, they look good in conference. They are 5-4 and four overall. They've played some of the better opponents in conference so i'll give them some credit for that um, but that's going to be a really good series when when we get together i mean i'm looking forward to that of course we have the relationship we have with them and i just i think that's going to be a whole lot of fun southern miss goes to james madison 19 to 3 on friday is the final in that one yikes james madison comes back gets the victory in sat on saturday 13 to 8 uh, a lot of offensive fireworks right here and then on sunday 
another rubber match. Uh, Southern Miss, excuse me, South Alabama wins 14 to 3. 14 to 3 in a rubber match. Got to tell you, I didn't expect that. I thought James Madison would be a little bit more competitive uh, with an opportunity to win at home a series against South Alabama. I know they're not, they're not very good. We've seen them. Uh, but they're one of those teams that they have a little bit of clout when they walk into your ballpark. James Madison is a new member. And uh, I don't know. I thought that uh, we, we'd see a little bit more effort today. But at the end of the day, it was a lot of runs scored. And 14-3 to is what it is. UL Monroe. Uh, the Warhawks are improved. You wouldn't tell by the record, but they've played a pretty good, pretty harsh out-of-conference schedule. They go to Marshall. Uh, they lose 13-6 to on Friday. They come back, win Saturday, 4-3, to and then another 4-3 to game in the rubber match. Marshall takes the victory. Uh, that's a pretty decent... I mean, Marshall's also not very good in the league this year. I mean, again, another new member. They're playing at a foreign ballpark. Uh, you know, there's a whole lot you can say about Marshall right now as far as what it... when it comes to com- competition in the league, but... You know, I give I give I give them credit. Monroe is better. I mean, they do have a win over Mississippi State this year, so you got to give them some some uh, some kudos for that. On the east side of things, Old Dominion is now seven and two and in first place in the Sun Belt. And I know that the divisions have gone away, but they still kind of separate them. And it's easier for me to follow like that, so I apologize if I am confusing anybody. They go to Georgia Southern. Old Dominion wins seven to five on Friday, twelve to seven on Saturday to take the series. And then they got absolutely smoked today, 16 to nothing. Uh, that, is, that is a very weird final. Georgia Southern is a good baseball team. Don't let that, that line fool you. I mean, they're good. So credit to Old Dominion going on the road and getting a very nice conference series win against Georgia Southern. Coastal Carolina, another good ball club, a team that scores runs, a team that has also played a very nice out-of-conference schedule. All they do is win lately. Uh, they have won, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. They are, they are 13 and 3 in their last 16 games. That's what kind of role they are on. They go to Georgia State in Atlanta. They win Friday 16 to 7, 10 to 8 on Saturday, and 8 to 6 today on Sunday. They are on a roll. Um, I look forward to giving, get, being given the opportunity to play against uh, Coastal because, again, we hate them, and it's going to be a good series no matter how you look at it. Uh, and that, that is the that's the the sum up, the summation of the Sun Belt this weekend. Some interesting finals, but I think most mostly chalk. I don't think there's really any huge surprises. Anybody have any thoughts on the league? No, think the league is healthy and uh, good to see some good good games on the uh, ESPN stream. Fun to watch. Indeed. Well, Jerry, we're right at the one thirty mark. I know you got to bounce, but I guess I'll give you the last word on the RP beef if you want to. Give a couple of thoughts on that. I Actually, I kind of want to let you start because I kind of want you to set the tone on what really happened. I, <laughs> we've been getting asked questions. It's been all over social media. Um, yeah, just kind of create the, the, the storyline of what's going on because I think there are some people who are confused and why the message and why the tweet was posted the way it was. Sure, and we'll just spend a five minutes on this because the people that are pissed about it are not even worth talking about, honestly. It's just such a ridiculous thing that happened. Uh, but before we do that, I want to give a hat tip to Miss Regina. Uh, her, her son, uh, Mr. Cooper Rawls, pitched a hell of a game today. So wanted to give a shout-out, um, and thank you for joining. And also just saw Caleb Stelly in the space. So if you guys want to say anything, by all means, request to speak. Um, the, the whole Twitter thing is so ridiculous. Basically what was happening was – we're in the middle of a tight game at the Teague on Friday night, and I look around the stadium, and Cajun Vic 
And these other fools are all on their tablets and their phones watching the, uh, the women's basketball from the school across the basin. So I didn't say any, I didn't call anybody out by name. I didn't say anything in spe- specifically in specific terms or anything like that. I just said, Hey, just want to let you guys know, look, if you're following a team and cheering for them and you just started watching them two weeks ago, uh, and you call yourself a Cajun fan, just want to let you know you're not a Cajuns fan. Because we're in a game right now. This is a conference game. It's Friday night. We're at the Teague. This is important. And you're distracted by women's basketball, who you didn't care about two hours ago. But because, T, you know, we call them TSAB, that's school across the basin, because they're involved, all of a sudden there's interest. Because their coach wears an azalea bush, everybody's interested. I, you know, it was just a quick, what do we do on Raging Review, guys? We are diehard Died in the wool, raging Cajun supporters through and through. I will never pour, pull for anything across the basin. If that's not your type of fandom, we're not for you. Right? If And that's, I've been trying to get these people to understand this. If that's not how you view being a supporter of this school, this community, this university, then we're not for you. Move along. But don't tell me how to be a fan. Don't tell me. This guy had the nerve to tell me I'm a cancer to the program. Regardless of the money we've done, we've given, the charity we've done, the coaches we've helped, the recruits that we've pushed on to where they needed to be to get help to, to be a part of our, our program, the, the, the different clubs we've donated to, the new fans we've exposed to Raging Cajun Athletics, the fans we've made and rivalries we've developed with people across the Sunbelt Conference, all that stuff. The hours and hours and hours of free time that we donate to try to promote the brand across the land and all this other stuff. Regardless of all that, I'm a cancer. We're a cancer. And then they're always obsessed with Rage and Review's point of view. We're the authority on Rage and Cajun. I want to see, can somebody please point to me where anybody, any three of us, have ever said we are the authority on anything necessarily related to Rage and Cajun anything? All we do here is we get on here and we give an opinion. And they're strong opinions because we strongly and passionately support our program. We don't care about what's happening across the basin. We care about this school. We care about this program and this university and this community. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I firmly believe if more people did fanhood the way that we do it, we may even be a P5. We could be a great G5 team. We would have financial support through the roof. We would have community support through the roof. But because everybody wants to bend the knee, kiss the ring, and worry about what's happening in Baton Rouge, we have lackluster support because everybody can always throw their hand up and go, oh, you know what? I'll just turn on the LSU game. It doesn't matter what UL did today. And that's where I stand on it. And I'll let you take it. Well, for me, it's more along the lines of like, and, and you know this. I have family and friends that went to school there, uh, the, to the school across the basin, as we call it. And my I no wife problem. graduated from that school across yeah. the basin. And, and I have no problem with the people that if you put your, if you got educated there, and you put your money, you 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 donate your money, and you put a lot of time and effort, win through wins and losses and losing as well, to that school, and you have your allegiance to that school, and you've always been a fan, then. You look, I'm not, there's no beef there. Um, but at the same time, to the to our to our fans, to the fans here, to the people that attend UL, it's like I've said before, UL is a school that that's educating you. UL is a school that's allowing you to put food on your table and get a job, not that school. And so um I think there's a fine line. If you want to watch, if you have curiosity on what the other school's doing, and let's say the Cajuns aren't playing, that's one thing. But if you're in our stadium, watching our game and you're watching that team. I, I don't know anybody at Alex box who would turn on a Cajun softball game or a Cajun's baseball game while their game's going on. I don't know any of their fans who would do something like that. So it is, it is the biggest ridiculous uh, uh, so, uh, narrative and, and, that, that 
vote or, or pull for all state schools. Where were they when we were in the top 20? Where were they when we made a run in the, in the NCAA tournament in baseball? But it's a, it's a, Where were they? It's a double standard, though, because when they say pull for all in-state schools, what they're saying is, is that, you know, yes, we'll, 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 we'll kind of watch you. We'll watch you and see what you're doing. But if you win, if you win, great. If you lose, oh, well. But then on the other hand, when they say pull for in-state schools, when they expect us to watch them, and when they win, they want us to celebrate with them. And when they lose, they want us to, oh my gosh, they want us to 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 mourn. It's we gotta mourn that they that they lost. Well, guess what, man? The way you look at our school, we look at yours the same way. We're indifferent. I'm sorry. It's nothing against your school, it's nothing against your team. We can be indifferent because we're loyal to our school, not yours. I didn't go there. I went to UL. I'm a UL grad. My diploma says University of Louisiana Lafayette. I mean, that's just that's what my now nah, I'm I'm not saying athletically, right? Athletically, we're Louisiana, but on my diploma, that's what it says. So don't get mad at me because I don't I don't really pay attention or I'm indifferent to what your school does because that's not my school. UL is. And so if people want to get mad that we're loyal to our school, then I'm sorry. There's nothing we can there's nothing else we can say. This is our school. This is why we cover UL. Uh, this is our podcast is strictly Raging Cajun Athletics. It's no other team unless we're playing you. So I, I don't understand what the problem is. I, I, again, um, I mean, we're loyal to our school. <laughs> it's it's that simple. It's, I, I mean, it's it's that simple. And another thing too, I want to say is I don't I don't get if you go to UL or if you are a UL grad or if you're a UL fan, why do you need their approval? Sometimes I feel like our fans sometimes need their approval. And it's like, well, this team, I mean, this school, a school that has really politically kind of shunned us for almost a century up until recently, up until the school systems broke apart. All the things they've done in the past over since the days of Huey Long and other in-state schools. And somehow we're supposed to reciprocate respect. Well, respect is earned. If you're doing things to underfund us, if you're doing things to affect the way we can even name our school and you expect us to to return the favor with respect and reciprocation of, of love and, and, and cheerfulness. Well, don't you think it's a little bit of a double standard there? So that's another thing, and we can get in that conversation for a long time, and we've talked about it before. But I'm it's it's I I, I think the best analogy is it's like kissing, it's like giving a big hug to your ex that cheated on you, right? It's like if an ex cheated on you and you see her again, oh, let me hug you. I accept what you did to me. Well, it's kind of the same thing. It's if you're gonna under undercut us politically and you expect us to show you love, well, why why? Why should we? So that's a whole other story, but as far as the fandom. We're loyal to UL and UL only. So that's my two cents on that. Look, I'm going to comment on something you said, Josh. Cheer for all Louisiana schools, right? And like you said, where were they? I'll tell you where they were. They were on social media telling us we're trash. We're little brother. We don't deserve to be there. And what we're allowed to be called. I don't know about you, but I, as a fan of my university, who has all these fans from the other university that's supposed to be cheer for Louisiana telling me this, I don't want to be a fan of that program. I'm sorry. And when you consider they got an 80-year head start and 80 years of every benefit that you could possibly get at the state level, you expect them to compete for a national championship every year. Because guess what? They have an 80-year head start on the rest of the state. They have all the funding for the rest of the state for 80 years before we started taking athletics seriously. So if you want to pat yourself on the back for being so great 80 years before us, then pat yourself on the back. 
but don't trash me as a fan of my program when we get a little bit of success because we started putting money into athletics and we did it the right way. We didn't hire a basketball coach that maybe didn't get the results that we like, but you know what he's not doing? Paying players under the table illegally. You know what's not happening? A booster stealing, embezzling $200,000 of funds from nuns at a hospital to pay players. You know what's not happening? Accusations of rape. That's not happening at my school. So don't come tell me that I've got to support your school because you're a Louisiana school, yet talk down to me because I support my school. Another thing I found that was funny was that somebody told you, well, you shouldn't tell me how to be a fan, but this is how you should be a fan. That to me was hilarious. Don't tell me what to do, but here's what you should do. You know what? We need more passionate people in our fan base. We have a very small but passionate fan base, and, and it's okay to say you're not allowed to be uh, uh, look, do you think Rustin fans are fans of ULM? They're not having this conversation today. Do you think Ohio fans are fans of Ohio State? Do you think Mississippi State fans are fans of Ole Miss? No. We need more people. We need to draw those lines. We need those boundaries. I tell you where that comes from. Again, 80-year head start. But also, how many Atlanta Braves fans do they have in Louisiana? Are there any ties to Atlanta? No, we hate Atlanta as Saints fans. We cannot stand them. But those same fans who cannot stand Atlanta are Braves fans. Why? Because they were on TV. So they were on TV, and as a kid, they watched them, and they said, oh, mommy, I'm a Braves fan. And they grew up to be Braves fans. And now the whole families are Braves fans for no reason. You got the Astros three hours down the road. But because the, the because TBS had the Braves, now we're all of a sudden Braves fans. So you have to understand Again, we have a small fan base because they had an 80-year head start. But we also have to grow up as a fan base. And we have to start putting those boundaries up. Because if you think you're you're just, oh, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a UL fan, but I'm also an LSU fan. You do you, bro. But you're not really a UL fan through and through. And don't claim to be. If you're a UL fan through and through, just like if you're a U, uh, LSU fan through and through, you're not pulling for Alabama. You're not pulling for Florida. Just like I'm not pulling for App State and I'm not pulling for, for Coastal. Now, in the grand scheme of things, if it's better for the conference, I am. But I'm not, I'm not a fan of two schools. You're, you're rooting for a result. I'm rooting for a result. So don't get me, oh, well, it's better for the state of Louisiana because those same people are telling me what we're allowed to be called, are telling me I'm little brother, are telling me I don't deserve to be on the big stage. But you know what's going to change that, Josh? I feel... NIL, even though I thought at first it would be a detrimental to the sport, to, to college athletics, look at the Final Four this year. It works it's, both it's ways. Absolutely. I agree 100%. So when, I actually so, made that that argument when it all started. I, I thought that we would get the trickle down from the guys that weren't getting playing time. So it's going to get worse because once they realize, look, us being in the tournament, nobody will ever admit it. That is a threat to that school across the basin. Absolutely. That is a threat to those fans. Not necessarily the school, but to those fans, that is a threat to them. Because God forbid, they're not in the spotlight. Every time those fans, that school's not in the spotlight, here we go. You can, you can mark it. If we're in the spotlight and they're not, it's going to be a shitstorm, for lack of a better term. So... Again, when I've been beaten down as a Cajuns fan my whole life by those people, and then you come and tell me, well, you shouldn't tell me I shouldn't cheer for both fans. Yeah, I'm going to get offended because I've seen the way that those fans and that program 
And this state has treated the program that I am loyal and faithful to since, since God, I was a child. So that's why we get passionate. It's not about telling you who to cheer for. It's telling you, are you with us or you're not? Because whether you want to believe it or not, that school and those fans treat us like crap. And if you want to bow down to them, then you can go be the, the fan of that school down the road. And I get it. I don't want to run fans off. I, I mean, we're already a small but loyal fan base. I don't want to run them off. But we, if, if we're going to build a fan base like they have or close to it, we got to start having more fans like us that are loyal to our school. And, and that's, that's my whole point is that I'm not going to tell you to cheer for whoever, but either you're with us or you're not. And I think we're at the point in our evolution as a program that we have to start making those decisions. Who are you with? Because again, I've witnessed my whole life, that program, this state, those people talk down to us. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to support that. And this whole argument about I spend my money at the Teague and then I spend my money at Alex Box. Yeah, but if you weren't going to Alex Box, you spend more money at the Teague. So look, I come from the generation of, and you guys will remember the shirts. If you don't support the Cajuns, move to Baton Rouge. And that was a great, that whole slogan and that whole idea back then caught fire for a while and it built a lot of the same fan base that you saw showing up for HUDs games and a lot of the same fan base that have become our baseball fan base and and all the other fan bases that are good and loyal I'm sorry we all three have family ties to the baseball program to the administration in some regard we 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 we're there's a reason why we're so entrenched and why we spend so much time doing this you can't be a UL and LSU fan for the same reason you can't own a mom and pop shop and ro and root for Amazon you can't do it. Amazon has done everything they can with their business practices to push out the mom and pop. It's the same thing in Baton Rouge. School Across the Basin has done everything politically, in the legislature, from a media and, and uh, campaign standpoint. Um, everything that they can do to keep us down, to keep us out of the spotlight so they can soak up all the glory. That's what they've done for the 80 years that you started talking about earlier. So how on earth can you say you're a UL fan and root for the people that are trying to get rid of you? It makes absolutely no sense. And these people that are dual, oh, well, you know, we got we to gotta, we gotta welcome them because we need them as much as we can. You want to get the guys that are going to bandwagon when we're good like Napier and then leave when we're not? That's not the people that I want here. And I'm, I am, again, this is Rage and Review. We are a diehard group of people. We are trying to establish a grassroots army, I, I suppose you could say, of people that will defend this place the way it deserves to be defended. Because I don't want bandwagon Joe to leave as soon as Napier's out the door and where it's not nationally, uh, the pageantry is not national and, and there's a whole bunch of uh, national spotlight on us. I want the guys that are going to show up on a Sunday afternoon after we lost uh, a series to App State in baseball to talk baseball with us and to be mad with us and to talk about where we can improve and where, you know, what are the bright spots. Those are the fans that make LSU the behemoth that it is. Those are the fans that we need to grow and, like you said, evolve. We're never going to do that when everybody's so – women's basketball, you got to be kidding me. This is not a shot at women's basketball. But you, there is no way you can tell me that you paid attention to women's basketball before two weeks ago. It's just not true. You weren't you – were in, in, in the beginning of February, you weren't, weren't watching women's basketball in the, at the Teague. You weren't doing it. So don't tell me it's not a bandwagon situation. And if it weren't, if it weren't for LSU, say it was Tulane, they're not watching that. Say it was ULM, they're not watching that. Come on. We're not fools here, okay? Don't tell me how to be a fan. Don't post stupid-ass freaking 
uh, raising page and uh, threads talking about how we're a cancer or I'm a cancer or blah, blah, blah. These people have no idea what we've done for this fan base and what we continue to do. And it's not to self-aggrandize. It's to build a group of people that will do what we do. Continue to push the brand, continue to get people involved at a grassroots level and give and donate time and show up to the games. There's a reason why we post out you to every freaking event we go to. It's because we want people to be aware of it. Go support tennis. Go support golf. Go support ski. Do whatever. But every time that we show the light on these programs, track and field, that they don't get a lot of attention or whatever. We're doing a service. And just because you don't like that we don't necessarily bow to LSU doesn't give you the right to go on a rampage and call people cancers to the program. It's jackassery, especially to a guy who tried to start another forum called Ruger Rooms, who called me and said, would you help us do that and, and, and use Rage and Review as a platform to get out the word on Ruger Rooms to help us out? We did that without a blink. And the dude turns around and thinks that he's more important than the program, and thinks he's, I don't know if he's jealous about Rage and Review, I don't know what it is, but he turns around and shits where he eats, doesn't have the, 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 the gall to call me personally on the phone when he has my number, knows who I am. That's a coward, man. But he went to LSU. See that dual, that dual fan thing sticking out again. But anyway, that's the show for today. I guess Jerry bounced early. I don't know if the, the takes got a little too hot for him, but he bounced. Uh, I'm sure he's got daddy stuff to do, so... Appreciate Jerry for, for joining. Appreciate all of you guys for joining. Listen, please take the time to go to Spotify, comment, rate, review on uh, any, actually all the, the platforms for our podcast. It's, it really helps us out. It helps our REO. Uh, it helps us get out there and continue to spread the word about Rage and Review. Also, the YouTube channel. Go and subscribe. We have, I mean, we've grown amazingly in the last six months. It's been awesome. You guys have been fantastic. Uh, we'll be back here again on Sunday to talk about the two Lane Green Weenies and Marshall. Uh, we're going to Marshall for the first time, so that ought to be interesting. Uh, Joel Bio, thank you for chiming in. We appreciate those haymakers at the end. Thanks, everybody, for joining. We will be back. We promise. Uh, don't root for that school across the basin just because they're in the national spotlight. You guys are better than that. Come on. Thanks again. We'll see you soon. Go Cajuns. <laughs>